The information in this podcast is current on the day of recording. It is general advice only and does not take your personal situation into account. It may not be suitable for you. Participants in this podcast may also own the stocks discussed. Welcome to Stock Take. My name's Gaurav Sodi. Joining me today is analyst James Carlo. Hey, JC. Good morning. And also joining us back in Canada... Arguably where he belongs, in the cold, <laughs> out there, lonely, freezing. <laughs> Graham, welcome. Hi, Gora. I'm really surprised you spent all this time here in Sydney, and uh, at the end of it, you still went back. I, I it rained the whole time you. I was there. Six weeks well, of when, rain. <laughs> the day we went for lunch, that was that was a nice nice old day. I thought that was pretty nice. Yeah, that was, that was one of the highlights. <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> and the weather had nothing to do with that. You got any snow over there at the moment? Oh, yeah, there's lots of snow here. This is one of their best seasons ever, apparently. Mm. For those who don't know, uh, Graham is a uh, part-time ski instructor. Well, no, not anymore. I used to be oh. a ski instructor. <laughs> a former ski instructor. <laughs> yeah. Then I got well, into the investment business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from one tumble to another, Graham. Oh. Um, the markets have taken a bit of a dive. JC... I my look. I, I don't usually pay attention to why um, these things are happening, but I hear it's something about interest rates and inflation. Do you want to give us a quick rundown of what's what, why everything is falling so much? Yeah, I think um, it's just that there's been talk from central banks and various statistical people, you know, um, about inflation increasing. Various and, statistical people. Well, you know, the Australian Bureau of Statistics, the people who report the statistics on inflation. Oh, right, okay. You know, they've been, they've okay, been saying right. that inflation's... Uh, uh, it's just being, uh, you know, the, I think last year they were all saying it was just a sort of temporary thing, and now everyone's saying oh, it's maybe not such a temporary thing. Hmm. Um, inflation goes up, interest rates all have to go up, and so everyone's brought forward their expectations of interest rate rises. And the impact on the bond market has been that the long-dated bond yields have gone up, so bonds have fallen. And if long-dated bonds go up, then the returns by which you measure uh, shares, or which some at least—I mean, the, the you know the discount rate when you when you uh, value stocks—has um, gone up, making those uh, cash flows slightly less valuable, and particularly. Uh, long dated cash flow. So when you when you've got interest rates very low, then very distant cash flows are re- worth relatively more because they get discounted by by less. The effect of the discount rate is less. Um, uh, so those growth stocks um, have really been hit hard, and that's mm. really, I suppose, what we've seen. I don't feel as though the index adequately reflects what's been happening in some individual names. I mean, I've seen I've seen companies fall. 50 70 percent and the index has it even has it fallen 10 at all well it's yeah i mean it's it's disproportionately banks isn't it and 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 i suppose Mm. if you resource miners miners are done quite well so things with big yields which aren't growing so much Mm. so they aren't so heavily affected their valuations it's really as i say the the big growth stocks and and particularly you know stocks that aren't making profits at the moment but you know people are hoping they might make profits in five ten years and then grow very rapidly the value of all those future profits is reduced um you know that's so that's the theory anyway i mean Mm. look we obviously try to stick as much as we can to the the individual stocks i mean my uh, sort of discount rate that I use in my head sort of varies between maybe 
you know, eight, 10, 12% mm. around, you know, it's, it's, you know, it doesn't move as much as, you know, bond yields can move from 2% to 4%, which is a kind of a doubling, isn't it? But I, you know, mm. I think most of us, uh, you know, have all this a little bit muted. Graham, um, it doesn't seem crazy to me, really. I mean, we've been sitting around the office, um, even on the podcast occasionally, talking about some of the crazy, risky behavior that we've been seeing. You know, uh, crypto is probably the front of mind of crazy behavior, but there's been a, a lot of stocks, um, meme stocks, narrative stocks, theme stocks, that have just sported massive valuations or nothing more than a story. These are all classic telltale signs of a top are you worried or surprised by what's happening? Well, I guess I'm surprised by it because it all seems so irrational. Um, but I guess irrational it's on the also, way up and on the way down. It's, yeah, maybe predictable as well. But uh, I mean, it's just fascinating to look. It does feel very different to the last kind of ten years or so, where there's one thing to be in a bull market. Everyone's kind of mildly positive. Things are going up. Everyone's doing well. But now it seems that people are just are literally just acting crazy. Like some of the, <laughs> the stocks that are moving around, things like, uh, I mean, people buying cryptocurrencies without even knowing what what they are and just there's all of those meme stocks, like you said. Uh, it, it does just feel different. Uh, it feels a bit like people have got money to burn and that's the classic yeah. sort of sign. That, yeah. was, that yeah. was 2007, that was 1999. Yeah. You know, it yeah. feels as though people have got that money to burn and, and I, I feel as though they're probably burning it. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we we were a bit, you know, we we've stayed away from some of the crazy high valuations, I think, and um, so there we go. We've had a few of our, our own mistakes, but that happens. Um, yeah. But but I think you know you see some of the high valuations, and they're predicated on these low interest rates staying staying low forever. Um, and we were always a little bit skeptical of that, and so we weren't we didn't really allow the discount rates in our models to, you know, our mental models, not necessarily, you know, spreadsheet models. We didn't allow those, those discount rates to fall quite as much as, as perhaps some did. And so our sort of valuations of things didn't go up as much as others. Um, so I suppose we missed out on some of the upside on a few things. And, um, but, you know, hopefully that means we're in a better position to avoid the downside. It can have some real consequences as well. So a lot of these companies were reliant on market funding or debt funding to get to get them um, through their operations and not generating free cash flow. So if your if your share price suddenly halves, always down by sixty or seventy percent, it makes access to market finance harder. And of course, if interest rates are rising, it makes bank um, access to bank finance harder. So there are there are good reasons why a lot of those stocks should fall a long way. And, and of course, we've got inflation as well. So the, so well, the yes. root cause of the interest rate. So a that's lot right. of stocks, and that's what we're already seeing this uh, this reporting season, is a lot of stocks, mm. James Hardy and um, REA of mine, have talked mm. about rising costs. And oh, uh, Pretty much so every stock I cover. Everyone's talking about, about rising yeah. costs. And so that, that, that crimps margins. Um, and then, as you say, you've got the the financing side, the debt side. So the debt costs more, um, and you know the cost of equity capital is is higher as well, and and that's obviously tied up with what brings the the ratings on stocks down a bit. No one's actually reported this, but I also suspect once your equity falls by fifty percent, and you're uh, you know you're um, 
a young tech stock or you're a SaaS business and you're trying to attract um, staff and, and engineers to your business, you're not paying them cash, you're paying them in stock. And if your stock's not rising, it becomes quite hard to hang on to staff, let alone attract more staff. So it does have real, I don't, I don't think this is just an irrational response from the market, you know, do, doing the up and downs of emotion. I, I think there are real, real impacts of, of this on real businesses. And it's so not it's not just sense. the yeah it's not just the um the, you know the the um the shares and the options and all that sort of thing it's also that people people like working for companies that are yeah. having success and doing well and seeing profits go up it you know gives a sense of achievement I suppose and mm. um it's you know when you when your company's share price halves I mean I I guess a lot of people don't care about it but <laughs> some do in smaller stocks as you say. Well, we've seen it in our business, right? Like when when the investment share price goes up, there's a different mood in the office, I suppose. When well, I think it's to... it, particularly for us, it's seeing that um, you know we, we we've achieved some quite good farm growth the last um, year or two, mm. and um, so we're we're seeing that that that's you know the business is is performing quite well. So the share price is a response to that, but also internally we see that the business has been performing pretty well. Yeah, I do think I might be wrong here, gents, but it feels like it, it feels different to what it did in March 2020. And I remember we were in the office, and and Graham, you were you were probably uh, skiing or or, or whatever in Canada, <laughs> but uh, we, we were in the office, and JC was almost jumping up and down. I, I remember, I distinctly remember you being very excited and. Um, about Just, two think, about two weeks before probably, yeah. <laughs> I was jumping probably, up and down a little bit a little bit probably before. a bit early. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh early but still right. I, I think you, you know the you, you were buying probably earlier than anyone else, but um buying consistently, you were extremely optimistic about buying. Yeah. Is that the case? Well I, now? I think I think the thing is that in twenty March twenty twenty, I, I absolutely did not anticipate the policy response to COVID. And, and so I was seeing cheap yeah. stocks and I did not expect that we were going to be, for example, closing our borders for most of two years. Yeah. Um, you know, things like that I, I, I were not on my radar. So, look, I think I was probably wrong, um, except that it got the, <laughs> got the right results. So, uh, right for the wrong reason. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, when you knock 30 40% off the market mm. and you have to sit back and you say, well, is is you know corporate australia 30 to 40 percent less valuable and i felt the answer was no so um i mean right now it's yeah it is a little bit different because i think that the value of everything has got a bit pumped up ahead of itself in some mm. in some areas look you know we try to you know as i say we look at individual stocks so we're you know, it. You know, the, the sort of looking at everything in an overall sort of fashion isn't our way, but but it does feel as though there are some things which are pretty expensive. Graeme, are you as excited now as you were in March 2020? Were you even excited well, in March so, 2020? I actually don't know. I didn't speak to you that much back then. Yeah, no, you were I was. all the way I, over um, in Canada. I, yeah, it was one of those cases where I kind of was proud of myself in hindsight, uh, mm. because I do feel more comfortable when. I can sense the fear around me in an investing mm. context. <laughs> Maybe not if I'm up against a tiger, but um, <laughs> I can, yeah. At, in March, 2020, I could see people were scared and that made me feel more confident that buying different stocks or things that looked cheap was, mm. was probably going to be okay. Uh, mm. That I know people will overreact in times of, of fear. And so it just gave me a better sense of the market was probably overreacting. 
uh, it's these times that make me nervous and I kind of sit around not really knowing what to do and being overly conservative perhaps uh, just because when there isn't a lot of that fear around, it's just harder to know, are you really getting a bargain if you can't tell why the people are behaving irrationally and selling mm. it? Um, I think there's just more, it just becomes more important to get the fundamentals of the business right instead of just having a general overreaction present in the, the market that makes everything probably a little undervalued. Yeah, there's definitely, I, I think you're right. I don't sense that same fear yet. Um, it's starting. People are, I think it's starting, but we, I don't yeah, think Yeah, I, I feel people are asking the question, should we be yes. scared? <laughs> and that's kind of the fear breeds fear, doesn't it? So once things have yeah. fallen down to 20%, that's when everyone thinks, holy moly, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, is it going to fall on other whatever? And can I afford it to? And should I move to cash? And um, yeah, so I think we haven't possibly reached that point, and maybe we won't. I mean, maybe the inflation, you know, th th there is an argument that the inflation is due to sort of short-term supply yeah. chain factors. Everyone's, you know, I mean, the labor market in Australia is obviously going to be a bit tight because, uh, you know, people haven't been able to come in from overseas. So, you know, there are skilled jobs which are, which are you know, in shortage. So, you know, there are arguments and there's the whole supply chain disruption and everything. Everyone's having to pay up to get whatever they want. Uh, so there are arguments that the inflation is is a temporary thing. Um, it just looks a little bit less temporary than it did a few months ago. And that's what everyone's trying to grapple with. Um, you know, we'll obviously just keep looking at, at the individual stocks and trying to find a margin of safety. And uh, that's what we do. But there are still pockets of craziness. Um, Tesla is still a trillion dollar business um, in, I would say in lithium, in, uh, in anything to do with green, uh, green tech and uh, probably maybe in, in microchips, there's a, there's um, a lot of irrationality around the stocks in that area. I read I an think interesting I... thing this morning that could also be mm. a um, top sign, which was uh the number of Google searches for how to become a real estate agent have doubled, <laughs> uh, which, which, yeah, I, I remember a similar story being out uh, during uh, the U S meltdown in just before the global financial crisis, that that was one of the kind of top signals of the real estate market there was that the number of people who had signed up to become real estate agents, like tripled within three years or something like that. Um, yeah. So, Makes you wonder. Imagine how powerful if Google decided to ever go into share share trading. I reckon they would make a make a really good trader just by analyzing the Google searches that they get access to. Yeah, there, there are some so funds that there. monitor Twitter and that seem to do okay. Really? Uh, by yeah. yeah, kind of their their whole game is watching social media and looking for trends there. I don't know about Google, but yeah, that uh, would be an interesting one, presumably with with some sort. I of, guess yeah, I mean, they don't sit there. <laughs> No, reading <laughs> literally watching it. Yeah, reading. Okay. Yeah, no, it's all. Uh, yeah, and Google would do it that way. Yeah, it's an interesting thought. If well, they have if all the information. A... Information is power, isn't it? I put my hand up for the YouTube version of that, and I think that'd be more fun than the Twitter version. None of us <laughs> are on Twitter, are we? No, uh, no, not yet. I no. do not tweet. <laughs> I think it's I tweet. Watch. I watch Twitter, <laughs> but I don't. Uh, I don't tweet. Yeah. Oh, okay, all right. Um, all right, so. 
JC, uh, what should be the reaction here? Should we be jumping out and nibbling at it? Should we be backing the truck up or is this a time for patience? Well, it's a time, I think it's exactly what John wrote in his article last week. It's a time for making your watch lists and getting an mm. idea of, of where you'd like to buy stocks, what sort of prices you'd be prepared to pay. You know, you, I don't think, as I say, I don't think the macro environment should change too. Possibly, you know, your interest, your discount rate on things moves a percent or two here and there, but you're putting a big premium over the bond rates anyway. So I don't think it, you know, makes that much difference. So you, you look at stocks and you try to decide what you want to buy, which is what we've done, what we're doing. And mm. uh, you wait, um, you try to give yourself a big margin of safety. It's just all, it, it's same old, same old. But when when uh, the market has big falls, um, there's obviously more more activity and you've got to, um, I, I suppose the, the, the trouble is whether, you, the big question I suppose is whether you should try to raise cash in a, ahead of these events. I, yeah, I right. tend not to because, <laughs> okay. I mean, but I get greedier. I mean, you know, uh, um, I mean, my situation is different from some in that I have a mortgage, so I can flex that mortgage upwards. My cost Mm. of capital is therefore higher. So I, you know, I can be greedier um, in, in times like this or, and, and less so when when prices are higher, I'm tending to sell. Whereas if, if your alternative is to um, sit with a pile of cash, um, then that that's much more difficult. And I don't really not <laughs> that's the problem. That's the conundrum everyone faces, and that's why it's so difficult, mm. I suppose. Mm. Yeah. I think in, in my own portfolio, I don't think I've actually bought anything yet. I'm just trying to think. I don't think – I think I bought some coal when on some of those bad days, but – um, that's about it. I haven't actually bought anything. In fact, in fact, JC, I've done what you were just talking about. I've been raising um, cash in, in preparation for worse to come, which is actually not like me at all. We don't, you know, you, well, that's you might yeah, be horrified. That's, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 <laughs> no, look, I mean, that's fine because it's a question of mm. taking advantage of, of high valuations, isn't it? I mean, where, yes, where you see, right. you know, and um, uh, I, I bought a little bit of um, medical developments because that was mm. that's that's back down to now yeah. the, now back down to the price at which we first recommended it from which it bounced very quickly. Mm. Um, I paid more for my initial shares there, um, so I've topped that up. But I, you know, my preference in times like this is to to you know sell sell expensive and buy cheap. You know, yep. which I mean everything falls a bit, doesn't it? So you you sell. Um, you sell cheap to buy even cheaper, I suppose. That's right. Point. That's you know, right. You know, so you you have a few stocks which you have your eye on, and you think, well, I'd I'd, I'd sort of probably be close to selling that, um, even if it fell a little bit, to buy something else. You know, which um, if that fell more, sort of thing. So you 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 you're always ranking opportunities, um, and so you just want to have a clear idea of of how you rank all the opportunities in your portfolio. If if anything is. Or, currently very close to being where you'd sell it then you know that might that's perhaps what you've been doing Gaurav you know if something's close to a value that you're you're pretty comfortable Mm. selling then you might think well now's the time to do that and um, you know if if things do get a bit cheaper then I'll I'll be prepared so especially if the the business isn't making any or much money I, I think the the mood has changed I feel as though if you're holding significant positions in businesses that don't make money um, and are reliant on the market, you probably, I wouldn't be comfortable holding big chunks in those companies for the moment. 
and they're the sort of things I was I was reducing. Well, it's the big it's the big sort of capital hogs. I mean, so Next DC would be an example of that. Would it? So companies that are dependent on yeah raising lots of capital. I suppose that's uh, um, yeah. But, uh, I, I'm probably less concerned about that. Um, you know, they've got um, uh, you know the the base business is so strong there and such good returns on the incremental capital. And uh, they've got a lot of um, debt kind of locked in as well. I, I think mm. they should be okay. It's more because they're backed by assets as well. You know, there's yeah. billions of dollars of assets. And if they slow down investing, then they would suddenly generate quite a lot of cash. That's them. right. So it's, that, they, that's they, always they can flex discretion. Them, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. they generate um, operating cash flow, right? I guess it's those companies. Mm. Uh, one of them is, is Dubbo that I, I recently sold. Um, you know, that's the sort of thing that doesn't generate a lot of cash flow. Um, probably um, holds a lot of cash, so um, you know won't need to go to the market. But yeah, not a lot of cash coming through the door, um, and that kind of worried me a little bit about about Dubbo um, and uh, and other things on valuation grounds. I think the most expensive stock I I own was arguably Australian Ethical, which has uh, which was becoming um, you know um, it went up so high, it just just made me nervous and. Had to take some off the table. Um, Graham, what about you? How have you been behaving in all this? Have you been buying or selling? Well, no, I've been just holding. <laughs> uh, okay. but, but that's because I've, I've got most of my portfolio at the moment in cash waiting to buy a house. So oh, I need more yeah. of those real so estate you're... agents to sign up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah, we're, no, was, we're my, waiting I for an equity crash. Yeah, I haven't been. Uh, if, if equities do drop then or, or drop uh, materially, then... I'm not opposed to jumping back in and there are some companies that I keep my eye on kind of waiting for the right moment. But, um, but yeah, at the moment I feel kind of neither here nor there. I'm just biding my time. We'll see whether that's a successful strategy down the track, I guess. Hmm. All right. Well, um, do you have, we talked talk about watch lists a little bit and Johnny published that article last week, um, putting together, some of the stocks that we're looking at, along with prices at which we'd probably act on those stocks, we must have personal favorites. And this is the perfect time to voice those favorites. Um, JC, I have an inkling about the stock that one of the stocks that you might mention. Um, you did tell me earlier, but even without that knowledge, I would have I would have guessed I would have guessed REA would be on that list for you. I think it's stock we've missed over the years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Probably got I missed wrong it at twelve dollars. I was I looked at it very closely. Uh, I think even before that. I think when when um, previous analysts. Um, oh yeah, no, no, I'm not talking. It, I'm talking yeah. about before I was covering it. I, I missed it. I, I looked at it. Oh, did you? For myself. Twelve. around about. I think it was around about twelve dollars. Maybe I maybe I misremember, but. Um, it's probably fine. And uh, uh, you know, so there's a little bit of pain there, um, <laughs> yes. but I also I think I told everyone to sell it um, at thirty or something um, in about 2013, 2014. Mm. I mean, this is, the, I, I, I got, you know, stitched up by my own price guide. I mean, this is the thing. Sometimes it can be hard to move your price guides quickly enough when businesses are growing very, yeah. very well. Um, you get a bit behind the curve and, and uh, then it hits the sell price and you sort of a bit, and the valuation always looked very, very yeah. I but know. this is the point with the, with the businesses that are growing twenty, thirty percent a year. Then mm. you know that, that that they can support very high PEs, and look, it just keeps on doing that. So, look, our um, valuation. Hold your, hold your for, thoughts on sorry, on RE8 yeah, because right. um, I I think um, that was on that was what that's one of the stocks near the top of my list that I would love 
to own during this period as well. So I thought they've reported results, and we'll go through those results in a little bit um, um, after we hear what your well, other not, picks not are. Not a lot to say, but we're, we're, I mean, they just keep, keep. I have some questions before I buy, actually. So I, oh, I did right, want to pick your brain on it. Um, yeah. So I have some questions for you. We'll, we'll do that um, after we've heard the other stuff on our lists. Um, what's your second stock? Do you have another one apart from REA that you're looking closely at? I, I am looking. I'm, I'm, I'd be keen to upgrade Breville. I mean, Breville is the one yeah. that, that I sort of pick. Up I can't believe you don't own Breville. Anyone who knows yeah. who, who knows James would know that uh, he would ha- he'd probably own more Breville appliances than anyone else in the country. <laughs> well, they just and you don't own the stock. I'm, yeah, I'm quite surprised by that. They're very good. Um, they look nice, <laughs> and they serve they're their very purpose pretty. very well. Well, no, but they serve their purpose very well. This is, and I tried to. Um, flesh this out in a review I wrote on the stock last year, which is that it's mm. sort of riding a wave. People think about technological waves in terms of companies like Zero or Altium or Ordinate or whatever yeah. it is. Um, yeah. But Breville and uh, manufacturing technology has come on in such a way over the last 20 years that you can make products now so much that, that you know that weren't so weren't really cost effective maybe 20 years ago. The technology in the coffee machines that Breville uh, is is making now perhaps was was available uh, mm. twenty years ago. I'm sure it would have mm. been available twenty years ago. You'd you'd just have had to pay, um, you know, hundred thousand for it or whatever. It, the, the cost of making the thing would have been prohibitive. Um, mm. So so th- those improvements in manufacturing technology and and in you know and in and in what they can do that uh, it just puts it in a very good position to keep adding value to people. Um, you know, for for the same price of a machine, you can get so much more. Um, and uh, you know, Breville just seems to take advantage of that very well. It, it's innovative. Um, like I say, the machines look pretty, which I think is important when they sit in your kitchen bench top. Um, some of the other brands, I just don't find as attractive. Um, my wife doesn't find them as attractive either, which is always important. So. Um, yeah, uh, it, it's a great, great stock, and um, it's always just been, you know, just another one of those ones which has just been a bit too expensive for us, um, and it and it still is. I mean, I'd be interested in it below a P, uh, below about twenty five dollars. Yeah, right. Which would be a P forward P of about twenty eight. I was just looking this morning. Wow. Okay. Um, which is still pretty pricey, but it's yeah. growing. It's growing quickly, and I, I don't, I don't see that stopping. I remember during one of our development sessions, I was given Breville for a quick look at, and I remember looking at the balance sheet for the first time, and I was really blown away because I thought Breville was a manufacturing business, but when I saw looked on the balance sheet, there was nothing on the balance sheet. There were no assets. This is clearly not a manufacturing business. It's yeah. a brand and marketing business. And well, and design. Yeah, design. And, and design, yes. Yeah. Good design and marketing. Thank you. That's probably better. Design and marketing business. And the new and chief that... executive has been very much shifting it in that direction and increasing yeah, spend right. on both those things, yeah. Particularly R&D, yeah. actually, yeah. And that, that probably explains the sensational returns on capital that these guys own, earn. It's because there's not much capital to mm. deploy in this business. Mm. It's, it's fantastic. I was really surprised how... How, how good this company actually is. And yes, that's a great pick. It escaped my mind, but that's certainly one near the top of my list as well. But it's unfortunately, I mean, it got down below $26, I think, a few weeks ago. So it was really getting right. close, which is what yep. brought it front of mind for me. But um, it's bounced up to 29 now. So it's mm. a little, little bit further away. Um, but, uh, you know, fingers crossed. 
I like it. Um, Graham, look, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'm not sure what would be on your list, actually, if I had to guess. Um, you did tell me, but I won't use that as, uh, uh, <laughs> I won't cheat. Uh, I, I wouldn't have guessed. I wouldn't have guessed. What, what do you have? It starts with a C. Can you guess now? <laughs> and ends with an L? <laughs> That's the one. CSL. Uh, yeah. This has yeah, been a bit of a white whale for you, hasn't it? I've, I've, you've, you've covered this probably, I reckon, better than anyone um, in the market for a couple of years. And yet, and yet it has eluded you. Yeah, well, when I think back of the different stocks that I've upgraded across Intelligent Investor, I feel like I've hit all of the ones that I really like as companies, separating mm-hmm. the, their kind of investment potential from the company itself. Uh, all of the big companies that I respect, like uh, Sonic or, I don't know, Ramsey or something, I've, I've upgraded at some point. Uh, CSL is mm-hmm. the one that's always looked overvalued, basically, until mm-hmm. now. Now it's starting to look probably more attractive than at any point to me in the last kind of eight or nine years. Uh, it's down at $255, now 25, 20% or so from its high. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got an upgrade price at 230 which I think is about right. Uh, so we're not too far. It wouldn't take very much of a market fall from here for CSL to find its way onto our buy list. Yeah, yeah. Um, I put some money up for the SPP. As I never tire of telling you, boys, I've owned <laughs> CSL since $30. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to be my second injection. I haven't bought it since then, mind you. But uh, yeah, I put my hand in my pocket for the SPP. And I'm expecting, Graham, it's going to be in the 240s probably. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe, maybe a bit uh, more, I reckon. Yeah, maybe, mm. maybe a little bit more. Um, yeah. Yeah, but it's also just one of those stocks that's benefited out of the pandemic in so many different ways that, yeah. that it, I mean, it, it has always been on a high price earnings ratio because a lot of its profits are predicted in the future. So I think that it's been uh, affected by that whole uh, increase in inflation and interest rate panic. But yeah. Uh, yeah, the business itself is is just fundamentally sound, I think. So, and Graham, it's they, just a matter they of actually price. Um, uh, they expense what about a billion dollars of R and D a year, which yeah. makes them the largest R and D R and D person, <laughs> the largest spender <laughs> of R and D in Australia. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they expense pretty much all of it, which is that, that must make that P look a lot uh, a lot less attractive than it probably would be otherwise. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, they do have to spend that R&D to, to stay competitive. Otherwise, the CSL 10 years from now isn't going to be the same one that it is today. Yeah. So they are real expenses. But yeah. uh, but they're also investments that when yes. they're doing clinical trials for drugs or something or other, those, those expenses are building an asset that over time is going to earn back on average uh, a decent return if they kind of average it out across their whole portfolio of prospective uh, drugs. So mm. yeah, I think the price earnings ratio probably is a little bit overstated. Mm. JC, you've never owned this one. I've, I haven't heard uh, you talk about it much um, every two weeks or so when I mentioned that I bought it at $30. You don't, you don't pipe up. You don't say <laughs> anything. CSL, <laughs> well, before you um, came to Intelligent Investor, Greg asked me to write CSL up, I think in 2004, okay. if people really want to Ooh, go and look. Wow. Wow! In the, back in the archives <laughs> on the website, they can they can see my the source of my embarrassment because I think I told everyone to sell it at thirty dollars. No, I didn't. Uh-huh. Sell, I think it was a take part profits or something. Mm. Um, but it was uh, you know it was very expensive back then. It was very expensive, and at that point, the immunoglobulin market 
I remember. Uh, it was oversupply. Yeah. Well, it was oversupply. It was very yeah. cyclical. It was very looked very unattractive. But they'd just completed the merger with Aventus Bearing, and yeah, um, and that proved to be the game changer. Um, and I didn't spot it, but there you go. Sometimes you don't. <laughs> Often you don't. <laughs> you just have to spot a few. I didn't spot that one. So well done, Gorev. Uh, oh, I, I, was, no I've been wrong. I, I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. I don't think I could have explained to you what CSL did at the time. I remember I was a newbie at II and uh, CSL was on the buy list and I thought I better buy something. Just kind of thought, oh, this looks good. Buy this. Yep. And I've been bragging about it ever since. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the second stock for you, Graham? Would uh, it be? It's probably harder. CSL stands out, whereas... Uh, the next couple are okay. uh, they're on the way, but not not quite. I mean, CSL is a is a super high quality company that I feel like we're yeah. about to get an opportunity to buy. Um, yeah. The next two, Gentrack and Hanson, are are oh, also okay. high quality companies, but they're not the same league as CSL. Uh, but yeah, they're not not far. Gentrack, I think, is only just above the buy price, whereas uh, Hanson is has quite a bit more to go. But yeah, they're they've been affected for all the same reasons as the other stocks. Uh, without anything significant being in their operations going wrong or anything like that. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, we might get an opportunity with those. They're both very reliable earners. They've got long-dated, locked-in contracts, very high free cash flow. Uh, and they've, I mean, Gentrack at least has done a pretty good turnaround from a couple of years ago where it was getting into yeah. all sorts of trouble and difficulty. So that's been a nice, nice story. Nice one, yeah. I think we've done um, pretty well out of Gentrack since um, since you upgraded, so that was that was brave and uh, good work. One of the stocks I really really want to buy is um, is Domino's Pizza, and I remember I I've owned this since um, since we upgraded at uh, under forty dollars, um, but uh, I want to own more. The more I look at this company, the more I'm impressed with it, and the more I think it suits the style of investment that I am looking for. I, I genuinely think this has maybe the best management on the ASX. Um, I've heard this said of Don Mage. You know, someone, a few people I really respect have have said to me that that, that this is a great CEO. Um, uh, and uh, it took me a long time to come around and see the quality of this business. I used to used to pay it out and 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 not talk so highly of it, um, but. After looking under the hood and getting to know it over the last um, two two years or so, uh, it's a company I admire tremendously. I think it's fantastic, um, and and the story that got me over the line really was was the opening in Japan. Um, and I've, we've probably discussed this before, but if you're new to the pod, then um, then you know you'd know that that Domino's um, earns a lot of money from Japan, but it wasn't always the case. When they first entered Japan, they're a laughing stock, and people. The share price fell, and people um, would sort of ask, "What are you doing in Japan?" Japanese people do not eat pizza, and in the early stage of that Japanese expansion, they were burning cash and not doing anything. And, and then a couple of the um, the management team actually moved over to Japan, and they spent months living there and just tweaking all the operations and the menu items. And you can see the 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 results of that dedication. Um, Japan is now the the uh, highest earning uh, region in the Domino's empire. And uh, I think there is so much room to grow over in Europe. And um, when you have a franchise operator that 
that does so well, other opportunities um, pop up. I, I thought there might be a shot of buying the the UK um, franchise as well. Um, those guys have turned around a little bit, so maybe not. But um, this is such a, um, a fantastic business. Um, it just shows that there are lots of options for really high-performing um, franchisees, franchisors, the guys who own the franchise. Uh, like, <laughs> franchisees um, enter- yeah. is that what it is so I'm itching to buy that thing again and I'm hoping well, Domino's uh, itself is the the, the, the Australian oh, one is yeah, itself right. a franchisee of the head franchisor oh, yeah. which is the yeah. US uh, Domino's and that US business has been um, I think I was reading that um, since its IPO it's actually returned a, a, a higher annualized return than Google has which um, hmm. was surprising. Um, but I think the more you think about it, it, it does kind of make sense because it's a fantastic business. But they've been warning yeah. about higher costs and um, and, and I think um, the lower share price in Domino's Australia, I, I think that's kind of factoring in um, some margin compression, JC. So it'd be interesting. Yeah, that's right. And they also, um, Japan had a poor uh, period. So we're waiting to hear yeah. a bit more information about. Understandable why Japan did, right? I think. Yeah, that's right. Look, concern. everything's a bit yeah. up and down at the moment. But, but I think fundamentally, yeah. the points you make about it being a, you know, a great opportunity, makes great returns. Um, and unlike some, I mean, it has a long potential uh, you know, runway um, yeah. in, in Europe and Japan. Um, and so, uh, yeah, uh, I, I, it's one I like as well. But we want it a bit cheaper, um, you know, greedy as we are. Uh, we're looking at about ninety dollars, I think, is the buy price for that. And yeah, um, it's interesting because you know, that's we're still not far off. Yeah, that's still two point five times what I originally paid for it. Yeah, and I'd still be happy to buy at that price. I think that's one of the big. Yeah. Developments well, it's grown in, a lot. I mean, since it's since grown a lot. That's true. Yeah, it. I mean, it has. Yeah. I would say five years ago, um, though, I know you did used to do this all the time, JC, used to buy up, but I always struggled doing that. And that's one of the things I've changed over the last few years. And it's been um, a great change, you know, buying, uh, paying more. CSL at 230 instead of 30. 30 bucks. Well, that's that's the thing. This is a, I, I think this is a pivotal moment for me. I'm, I'm actually buying, yeah, I'm going to buy, buy CSL at 200 something rather than, yeah, that's, I mean, I never contemplated buying more because I thought I bought it at 30. Oh, I still it, fi- uh, oh, I still find all that very difficult. You find it hard, anchoring, don't anchoring, it, right? yeah. I mean, once yeah, you've yeah. paid a price or or decided on a price you want to pay for a stock, it it, it is hard to shift it. Mm. And uh, you know, this is especially what, the fast growing earlier. ones. The fast yeah, as growing I said earlier, yeah. that's when, what makes yeah. the when their value is growing faster than yeah. than you can keep up with. Yeah, that's right. But uh, but it, it it's an important thing to be able to do to to shift your perception of of the value along with the business. Now, the other one, I'm actually writing up the results now, and, and by the time you're listening to this, they're probably on the website, but if they're not, they're coming soon, is, um, is Mineral Resources, which I know has been a contentious stock <laughs> inside the um, II office, um, and it's probably one that I bring up too much um, because uh, I own it and you don't. And um, <laughs> and it's done very well, but um, we, we've got some price guides on on Minres now, and um, I think we're going to get a shot at, in this cycle of buying some. I think we want to remain disciplined. We shouldn't shouldn't forget that this is a cyclical business. They have to they're outlaying a lot of money um, for expansion, but there is a wonderful business here, and it's not obvious that it's a wonderful business until you start looking a little bit deeper. So we've we've kind of talk about this i don't want to lay out the whole case but there's three parts of it there's a a mining services business which i think is fantastic and i think i've got 
twice the valuation of anyone else in the market on it. But I stand by that, and I think it's um, completely misunderstood by the market. Um, an iron ore business, which is loss-making at the moment, but they're investing money to turn that into a really high-quality iron ore business. And I've seen the detailed plans they have down to um, the road hauling trucks, um, bespoke crushing plants, and um, and uh, and uh, agreements for port allocation. I think it's really smart, and I think they can get there. There's a lot of skepticism in the market about that. And finally, the lithium business, which I must say I'm – Probably it's a it's a fantastic um, geological asset. I'm a bit unsure about the whole lithium space, but I view that more as an option. And um, and I think if you can get that at the right price, this is a great combination of assets. I, I think the CEO is a master. I, I think this is a great example of hustle. Um, every time I hear him speak, he's got more ideas about how to squeeze more money from here or there, or take more opportunities, make more deals. Not everyone likes that, but um, I, I think this is, he's a great operator, own, you know, founder and, and owns equity in the business. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to upgrading that at some stage. And the other one, if I may, is REA, JC. But I wanted to ask some questions for REA before um, I, want, had a, I wanted, you know, I, I got I a chance have, to I buy hope it. I hope I can answer them. <laughs> <laughs> I think what's kept me out of REA for such a long time is just the – the growth. I mean, this is already the dominant platform by a mile. I think they say that there's sort of six or seven, maybe more, uh, more more eyeballs than than domain. Um, they are so far ahead. Uh, I, I wonder how much more monetization they can actually get. Can they keep raising prices? Because when you look at the profit increase, most of the profit increases come over the last few years has come from price increases and. Uh, more premiumization of uh, of the inventory. Well, I think that's and, the key. Yeah, it's can that so keep going? I, I, yeah. I just I'm not sure whether how far that how long how, how long that has to run. Are we, you know, can can profits double again from here? Yeah, I mean, I think you've got to look at what they've been doing. So that it, I mean, it is the premiumization and it is the price rises, but they're giving so much more for 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 those prices and and the premium uh, offerings. So you you look at you know. I don't know, 15 years ago, and you just sort of saw a listing. You're lucky if you got a picture. <laughs> yes, I remember. And, and, you know, now, now you when got, my parents you... were looking for a house, I distinctly remember being dragged around. There was, yeah, you're lucky if you got a picture, and you turn yeah. up to the property. And sometimes my parents wouldn't even go inside. They're like, oh, this is pretty shit. And they'd walk yeah. out again. <laughs> you but, just didn't know. But what you can see now gives you a sense of the entire property. It really, you know, you can have, you have lots of pictures, you have, walkthroughs you have uh you know all sorts of things but they're but they're doing more as well um uh in terms of engaging their audience so you know in terms of i mean i get emails from them um for for you know telling me what they think my house is worth and and things like that and and mm. telling me similar sales in the local area not that i mean i do this because i follow the stock um but you can also sign up if you're interested um uh you know um uh, in, in particular properties and they'll send you emails and those are much more added value than they were. Um, so you're getting a lot more, they're, they're working hard behind the scenes in, in adding value. Um, mm. They're doing that for agents as well. Um, you know, in, in the offering that they provide to the agents um, and the different sort of premiumization, you know, depth products, they call them. Um, that's right yeah. and and you know the thing is that with a house when you when you buy or sell a house um 
you know, the, the agent's commission is, is in the tens of thousands, um, whereas REA is getting something in the thousands, you know. And, and so mm-hmm. there's, there's uh And we know who's lot... doing most of the selling work there, don't we? Well, you know, the value, I mean, look, I think you always need agents, um, but agents are getting a lot more from REA and REA is, is providing, a, you know, they're also, I mean, you know, they're, they're, there's opportunities obviously for them to extend into financial services as well and do a bit more in terms of providing you with a mortgage. And, hmm. you know, so they bought mortgage choice and um, they, I think there's still a huge opportunity to, you know, selling houses, buying and selling houses is, 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 is something that's worth a lot of money. And I think that they're in, in a very good position to keep taking more of that um and they're investing hard to achieve that and yeah i mean look we've we've been skeptical of it in the past because these growth rates it's hard to believe that they'll continue but they seem to and um and i think that there's a long way for that to run plus the property market i mean look long term you expect it to grow don't you so Hmm. um what, what it does in the next few years who knows but um you know, so they've they've got they've got a tailwind from that as well. Um, Are you worried that uh, one of the things that concerns me is that they they rely on payments from real estate agents, but at the same time they're almost competing with real estate agents as well. There's ideally you would um, like FDV for example, which is also um, you know recommendation Zamin, um, which is a, a stable in in FDV. Those guys um, act as the agent in some instances, and they kind of um, knock the real estate agent out of the picture, and they absorb the real estate agent's fees, and they do transactions completely online for new dwellings, for developer dwellings. Now, is that – I don't know if, if, if that's possible for REA just because of the – um, the reliance on agents. If they started doing that, there'd be a lot of pushback. Agents, I wonder if that limits the upside for REA. Well, well, that's the logical conclusion of where this service should go. Yeah, but, but I, don't I know think if it the, can go there. The, the, the key, I don't, well, I don't know, I don't know that you want to cut the agents out of I mean, you still need people to open the front door and you still need people to um, advise sellers on, on how to I present tell you what, JC, paying that? 30, 40, 50 thousand dollars. Well, no, no, for, it's a, that, was, that was that was that was, I mean, look, yeah. sorry. Agents do more than that. I've got, you know, they, they, they advise mm. a property seller on, on how to present a property and, and how to, you know, um, market it. And, and there, there, there's something for agents to do. But the what REA does is make their lives a lot easier, you know, that, and that's what they're, that's, that's their selling point. They're trying to provide, mm. trying to increase the value they, they offer to agents. Um and the good agents can make use of that and still um, still sell. They make use of that and sell more properties and get more more commissions. So, hmm. you know, I think that that um, yeah. Look, as you say, there um, opportunities to work with 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 agents and and improve the value on offer. And you know, they they've consistently done that, and I think there's plenty of room for them to keep going. And what about in terms of valuation? I, I just. I always struggle with this as well. I mean, this is, I reckon this is the best quality business on the ASX. So I'm probably less concerned with PEs and everything drops down as cash. So, you know, there's, there's a good reason why they should trade at a very high multiple, but what, what kind of um, range or valuation are you thinking about? Well, so the current um, on historical earnings, well, actually uh, 22 earnings, I think they're on about 45 times earnings at the moment. 
Mm. Um, but that drops down from 23 to wow. about 38 times. So the point, this is the, 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 the difficulty. Oh, so it's in 23, it drops down to 38. Sorry, I thought you said it drops to 23 times. I thought, what no, no, it? no, 38. But, but if okay, you're dropping, right. you know, if you're dropping five or six percentage points, uh, sorry, rating, you know, PE points every, yeah, every yeah, year, yeah. you quickly get mm. down. Um, look, uh, this is what I was saying earlier. We, we are always a little bit reluctant to pay these high PEs, um, and that's why we've sort of, I suppose why we've missed it the whole way up, really. Mm. Um, but, um, you know, if it got to below 120, that's our buy price. That would be a, a, a 23 forward price earnings ratio of around 33 um, uh, with with every chance for it to come down well into the 20s over the next few years. Um, and mm. that, I think, would be very attractive. Mm. Um so fingers crossed there's a potential for the environment to get a little bit dicey towards the end of this year i mean we've got all the macro issues of course but then we've also got a in terms of listings we've got a federal election uh, in may um easter and anzac day being close together uh, rea was saying they thought that would possibly put a dent in listings in april um everyone going away on holiday okay. um so possible RBA action to slow the property market um, uh, or, or, or APRA. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, there, 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 there's a possibility for, for that price to, to fall a bit more. And, um, mm. you know, fingers crossed. Graham, thoughts on REA? Is it on your watch list? Is it on your wish list? Well, yeah, there's no doubt it's a good company. Um, I don't know it as well as uh, you two probably, but... I know enough about it that I'd buy it at the right price. <laughs> nice. Okay. All right. Um, that's it from me, JC. I, I remain convinced. I'm looking forward to, to your upgrade. Hopefully we get it uh, this time um, and uh, I'll be one of the first jumping in there. And maybe, maybe, you know, 10 years from now, we can be boasting about how we bought REA at this wonderful <laughs> price. <laughs> I well, made, made this fantastic a, 10 but, uh, Yeah, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> and get to participate in their share purchase plan at a thousand. <laughs> yes, yes, I would, I would do that. I, I, would, I would pledge that right now. Yes, done. <laughs> right, um, back to reporting season. We've got um, results to to get through, so um, I better let you gents uh, going, and I've got um, got some to get through myself. So, JC, thanks very much for your time today. Great, good to chat. Graham, welcome back home, and uh, good to see you while you're here. Thanks for your time today. Thanks, Gaurav. You too. And for everyone else, thanks for listening. <laughs>